This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data, and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Linda Oyen, CRO Fiber, a digital turbine company. Linda, welcome to the BSFS podcast. Hey, Art, nice to see you. Great, thank you for coming. Just a quick note on the top this is the final episode for this year. We will be back early January next year. So, happy holidays, everybody. All right, let's set the stage for the conversation first. So today, there are about 27 million app developers worldwide. If you ever watched the Apple's keynote presentation, WWDC, you saw some of them talking about apps they pour their heart into. It's remarkable to see the commitment of these people to develop an app that will make a difference in somebody's life. Now, at the same time, they develop, they develop apps to make a living, so what is the state of app monetization now? To answer this question, we've invited Linda. But as always on the show, we begin with the guest and her uh, background. So Linda, um, your career spans from Yahoo, which I guess I would need to explain Gen Z what the company is about. Mm -hmm. You know, being a 45-year-old man, I do remember company quite well, their glorious years. But yeah, for Gen Z, that would be a, a head-scratcher. To Twitter, being part of Mopop team, and now Fiber, one of the leading administration platforms on the planet. Tell us about yourself, perhaps some bright moments from this journey you would like to recall. Yeah, thanks, sir. Um... It really has been quite a journey. And, you know, when I look back on it, um, it was a part of my life that I don't often talk about at work. And it's actually that I grew up in a very entrepreneurial mobile tech forward household. So the apple didn't fall very far from the tree, actually. Um, my dad started a couple of companies focused on video chips, semiconductors, um, and he really believed in mobile. He really believed in mobile wearables, health tech, even in the 90s in my like formative years, I just remember him telling me, you know, I gave you a gift of a mobile phone to a teenage girl. But what I'm really saying to you is I hope you change the world with mobile. And he literally wrote that on a birthday card. So I think um, what you see then is his impact on me throughout my career. Um, I started you know, I started in ad tech on the desktop side. I was at Blue Lithium. It was acquired by Yahoo. Um, and during my time there, I actually spent time with advertisers, agencies, and then did a whole year plus in the data side. Mm -hmm. um, and then what I realized at that time was with the advent of um, real-time bidding, uh, big data in general, how advertisers and publishers are using data, um, that's when I started to really orient my career towards programmatic, um, and going towards product growth in those areas. So when I was joining Mopub, it was really fulfilling that pivot fully into mobile. 
And uh, it was acquired by Twitter at really around the same time, but it was an incredible experience where Twitter kind of allowed Mopub to operate independently. And we were able to build one of the uh, largest ad ad in-app exchanges at the time. And what was a part of that is I'm now able to bring some of that learning from, from Mopub at the time and bring it over to Fiber and even up level from where we were in the past. So at Fiber, I've been fortunate to lead the global marketplace revenue team, supply and demand. And really it's about ensuring that we're delivering the best products, services, and the best um, team that is out there in the market today for uh, in-app. Right. So your dad definitely saw it's coming um, years ahead <laughs> before the, that became a thing. He did. He did. I give him credit. I would have never given him credit before. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I admire people who can see things are coming in advance and uh, knowing for sure this guy, it's going to happen. Um, not knowing exactly how, but seeing the trend, it's always helpful in any business. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, now, uh, please tell me about Fiber. I know you guys have recently flipped another big page of your history. You have joined Digital Turbine. So what is Fiber today? Yeah, so it's been extremely exciting um, as a part of the Fiber experience. So Fiber, um, we actually saw a substantial growth during the, the pandemic, and we did see mobile becoming stronger than ever. Um, earlier this year, we were acquired by Digital Turbine alongside our friends at Ad Colony and Appreciate. Um, what Fiber is really bringing to the table is uh, being the leader in in-app monetization for many years now. So the product suite is built around performance, scale, transparency, um, all the things that allow us to operate, you know, even beyond 1.5 trillion ad opportunities per month for publishers and demand partners alike. It's a huge scale. So I think on top of that, you know, we are trusted by mobile games and top publishers. I think the thing that really rounds everything out is we have relationships with demand partners and ad quality especially is bringing that strength with brands. And then Digital Turbine is bringing their uh, leadership in the on-device space. So all of these companies brought together result in forming the DT's independent mobile growth platform. And that's where it's truly a unique set. I've been in this space for a while, like I said, um, and it truly is a unique set where we're helping the ecosystem from carriers to brands to publishers on actually supporting app economies on devices. So you, you get a chance five days a week to help all those millions of developers to make a living, right? Yes, yes. And that's truly what it comes down to, because oftentimes we meet with CEOs and CPOs of big and small developers. And, you know, we all know how important it is for, for how they are making a living and also um, the products and services that they're innovating around. And we want to make that lift on the sides that we can. Yeah, that's great. Cause we, we in digital space have, uh, we're dealing with numbers on a daily basis. And when you're doing that a lot, you may lose the, you know, um, the notion that you're actually helping other people to make a living. Um, yeah. Like this is your job. And when you get a chance to see them in person, you see like what the impact you're making on their life. Yeah, absolutely. A question that is unavoidable today for 
everybody in the app industry, how do you assess what's going on on the publisher side in the with the introduction of SCAD Network by Apple? Because I've heard the stories from the advertising side, uh, how their expectations are adjusting, you know, in terms of targeting options, etc. What's going on on the um, publisher side? Yeah, so, um, you know, it's becoming more and more interconnected, but specifically on the publisher side, I think the privacy changes with Apple, um, while a grueling step the industry must face together, um, it is causing some innovation that I think um, is a little bit like a renaissance. Like I said before, you know, back in the days of of ad networks and... um, in general, we see how audiences are more, you know, in cohorts. Um, and I think it's taking us back to a time where you can't just specifically identify people and users and follow them around as an industry. That was something that I feel like, you know, maybe people didn't want to do, but started doing because that capability was there, right? right? And I think now it's putting the users back at the center of what's important for them. Um, what is it that they want, their privacy rights, and that's absolutely right. So I think like for publishers, it's about building their first party data strategies to really like figure out a framework and infrastructure that helps make sense of who their users are, um, to have ways to engage with those users as they're playing the game, as they're going through content, um, and to work with platforms that enable them to make sense of that as well and connect with buyers at scale, um, who can still continue that that uh, ability to monetize while you know putting users back at the center of how they're innovating? Do you see it harder for uh, into developers than for big corporations, or pretty much their equal footing with respect to this transition? I, yeah, I do, and I think I talked about this a little bit um, before, but it's it's the fact that. For indie developers, and this is where the the developer and the UA marketing side are completely interconnected, right? So I think for indie developers, they're going to have a harder time and they'll need to spend more budget than before in order to find their core users. Um, and that's really what this change impacted them on a day-to-day basis. I think it makes it harder for the indie developer to get to that point of, I know exactly who my users are and this is how I'm gonna continue building my game and scaling around that. Um, whereas the bigger bigger companies just have more data to play with historically um, and they can use more proxies of that data to continue. They still have to spend the funds as well and hit those thresholds with SCAN, but. Um, they at least have more firepower that they're working with and resources. Got you. Um, now, how COVID-19 has been impacting uh, publishers? Do you see any difference between 2020 and 2021 in this respect? Um, how the, you know, the picture is changing over time? Yeah, it's a good question. So I to be honest, like in terms of the actual trends in mobile usage, we've seen the pandemic be a boost of that. I think a lot of people, um, you know, lives were disrupted. And yeah, so I think like 
on on that aspect, there actually was a big boost in traffic as more people spent time at home and are browsing their phones. Um, we've we've seen stats of mobile app usage surging about forty percent. And um, by the end of this year, mobile users will have downloaded nearly 140 billion new apps, which is insane. And I truly think about how much of that is TikTok. Um, So, you know, it's 10 billion more than 2020 and it's 20 billion more than 2019. So you kind of see like we're on this continuous upward trajectory. Um, At the same time, it was a challenging year. And I'm sure for businesses, they really had to adjust to you know, more things related around people and culture that adapt to how they're, um, how they're working with, with their, their extended workforces in a remote, you know, remote environment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's hard to believe that, uh, two years ago, it feels like ages ago because of COVID, um, you could read that, uh, okay, we, we've, uh, kind of, a hit the plateau with how many apps people are downloading. They didn't download no more apps. Uh, they're just sticking to a few apps on a daily basis. The kind of uh, the trajectory of, you know, downloads growth uh, was kind mm-hmm. of stalling st- 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 and didn't grow at all for a while. But then boom, it showed up because, you know, for obvious reason. And mm-hmm. the moment you thought that, okay, there's no more time in a day people can spend on mobile devices, all of a sudden, again, they've got more time. They were forced to spend more time. We're in the midst of um, the holiday season. That's the good part of our uh, life right now, the bright side. And uh, hopefully it's going to be a better holiday season as comparing the, with the last year. Um, we're not getting our life being disturbed by COVID that much as it was in 2020. Let's talk about what's happening with uh, app developers and what should be their focus right now uh, this holiday season. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think a lot of what we've seen this year is coming to fruition during this holiday season. We continue to see massive trends. Um, and I think right now what's what developers are focusing on and should continue to focus on is adapting to the understanding of their first party data and focusing on the things that they really can control. Um, so what I mean by that is, you know, there's a lot that happens with um, the placements of the ads, the user experience, but also the rendering and everything that causes buyers to find that traffic and those users valuable. Um, I think the more that publishers can can help the buy side during the holiday season to connect with the users that they're looking for um, and work with, work with platforms that are truly providing that transparency and ability to execute on that, that's really what's going to bring publishers success this this holiday season, and you know, in the future, going into twenty twenty two, it's all the same same principles. You mentioned the, the important notion of third party data for app developers, and it actually reminds me of the story of uh, Facebook pages uh, like ten years ago when they uh, hit the market. People start switching uh, their businesses on Facebook pages. Starts they begin to rely on a company to drive customers. Because you know, creating a website is kind of a hassle, a lot of resources, time, and effort. But when you're creating a page on Facebook, it sounded easier. At some point, they realized that's not really a great option for them mm-hmm. to follow because they were relying and kind of putting every egg in the same bu- bucket 
right now we're at that, at that moment for collecting data. Um, they're um, obviously they're forced because it's in Apple's discretion to do whatever they want with their platform and improve it the way they see it. But now it's time to get back to kind of square one and collecting data yourself and not relying on anybody else. It's harder. Absolutely. It's a bit more yeah. challenging. No, no, no question about it. But in the long run, I believe it's uh, better for the industry. It's more robust. Agreed. So yeah, that's that's well, in the long run. I don't see it's a uh, problem. Over time, uh, emotions will settle down. People mm-hmm. will get back to you know uh, rational thinking from emotional, um, and it's going to be great. Okay. Um, now, um, finally, uh, you've touched on it a little bit before, but can you think of any other challenges for active uh, publishers? Uh, uh, on top of what you mentioned before? Yeah, so um, I really look at it as two main challenges right now. We talked quite a bit about privacy and figuring out um, first-party data and acquiring new users. I think the other thing is um, for publishers, with the market consolidation that's happening with key mobile players at a high clip, I think it does give them a lot of um, moments and pause as we know, a lot of the recent acquisitions, it's giving them a lot of um, new conversations to be hosted where they're thinking about, you know, which partners, mediation platforms, which companies are they really working with um, going into the future? And it oftentimes is a feeling of, well, how do I plan two to three years down the line if that future can easily change if that company changes ownership um, or services are deprecated? So, I think that's something that I feel so uh, confident about here at DT and fiber and, you know, the combined assets, because we're the fact that we're really behaving as independents and in line with our, with our clients and customers, knowing they are also independent. um, There isn't, there isn't the chance that we will consolidate in a way that doesn't serve our customers. And that's been the trend so far. Um, and we're planning to keep that into the future. So it is something that, you know, I think it's on the minds of customers and publishers. And I really want to make sure that, um, you know, we're here for that, for, for that stability. Totally on the same page. That's the beauty of good merge when you're not letting down your customers from all parts and you're just carrying them over as a one company of, uh, into the future. Yeah. That's how it should be done. The app industry is vast. To navigate this space, you need a directory to look up suppliers and partners, and you need to know who are the best. Visit our marketplace directory at businessofapps.com slash marketplace slash podcast. And now, back to the show. All right. We've uh, covered the major topic on the table for this conversation, but that's not the end of the show. There's always the smaller but funnier part where I get a chance to ask every guest on the show just a few questions to help the audience know them a little bit better. Uh Uh, It's kind of a quick quiz. Uh, So question number one, what smartphone do you have now? Uh, Have you been switching between these two monopolies, iOS and Android, or just staying one side all the time? So I have an iPhone. 
about what we said in iPhone, but I am getting extremely curious about Android. Um, so I might actually consider getting a second device. Yeah. All right. I see. Uh, now let's get back in time. Do you remember your first mobile phone pre-smartphone era from those days? Yes. So it was one of those Nokias. And do you remember you can go to the mall and basically pimp out the keypads? I was yeah. extremely happy and proud of that phone. <laughs> it lit up like Christmas. Yeah, and these days I pop up keyboard on my iPad. Times have changed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, imagine you've left your smartphone at home. Uh, yeah, it doesn't happen a lot, but sometimes it does. What would be the most missing feature for you? Um, so I can't live without text. I think it's the biggest thing that I communicate through, biggest medium. And then if I had to choose like an actual app service, it'd be Spotify. Got it. Music. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at your iPhone right now, um, are there any technologies could be both hardware, software, um, which, which you believe like your device is missing? Um, I'm not talking about gimmicks like, you know, 3D TV a few years ago when people were saying, hey, everybody should have a 3D TV at home. And it turned out not many people do want 3D at home. So I'm asking about feature which will be personally helpful for you on your iPhone, which is not there yet. Mm, interesting. Um, I would say that you know, this is an extension of the iPhone, but I think like having it be the master dashboard for syncing things that are wearables, syncing things around your home, like there's definitely a ton of invention already in this area. But I think the more that I see use cases where we can leverage the phone in order to control all these other aspects and connect to those other devices and items, I'm just extremely interested in that. Um, yeah, and I like to see that interconnectivity. So Internet of Things, 5G finally making a promise and connecting those devices with your iPhone uh, in your pocket, right? Exactly. All right. This is pretty much the last question I have on my list, but there is just one more. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. Keep it really simple. It's the main platform that I'm connecting with people. All right, great. Thanks a lot for your time and coming on our podcast, sir. Linda. Thank you. Awesome, thank you. Happy holidays, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs> and that was Linda Oyen, CRO Fiber, a digital turbine company. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, just search for Business of Apps, and you will find it easily. We release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe, and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review and comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next year in January. Have a happy holidays, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.